Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another fun packed show. Oh my God, can you believe this? I was just kind of looking back that actually we're almost kind of moving towards the like 100th episode and beyond. And it's just kind of amazing, you know, just how we've kind of, uh, we've been going for almost a, almost a year and it's just amazing. So anyway, listen, enough chit chat about that. I've got a great fun pack show. We've got a great fun pack show on today. Um, we're um, with a guy called Lewis Senior. Lewis is a leadership and performance coach. He's also the co-founder of a company called Equilibria. And, um, and his fascination, he's the co-founder of a company called eColors, which is all around diversity and personality. He's created a diversity and personality platform uh, that helps um, really kind of, um, I suppose, build better relationships, understanding people and psychology and stuff like that. So, and, and I want to give a big shout out to our good friend, Mark Wilkinson, because Mark introduced me and Lewis and normally, if you want to come onto the show, it's normally done through recommendations. So I just want a big shout out to Mr. Mr. Wilkinson. So that's all good. So Lewis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, looking forward to spending some time with you. I'm uh, talking to you from sunny Spain here. It's a beautiful day. And uh, looking forward to a, a great time with you. Absolutely. Fantastic. Listen, I know, um, I, I read your story. And it's interesting because I know that we, we spoke before. Um, and just kind of to give some context to some of our listeners, because we've got listeners from all over the world. Um, you started off in the health and safety industry, but you also um, did a lot of things where you did a lot of work on oil rigs and oil rigs and personality and diversity, I suppose, technology and stuff, which is very, very different. They're like kind of chalk and cheese. Yeah. Give us a bit of a snapshot about how you went from oil rig to, I suppose, the co-founder of, of, of something, which is, you know, a, a, a technology software brand. Okay, so it, um, let me kind of give you the beginning of the story. 1976, I'm actually from Leeds in Yorkshire. Uh, somebody had told me about these things called oil rigs in the North Sea, which I thought would be interesting. 
uh, I said to my mum and dad, I'm going to go and work on an oil rig. And the response was, what's an oil rig? I mean, nobody had an, a clue in those days. I, I got out to, to, to the middle of the North Sea and found myself with a lot of highly technically oriented people, a lot of ex-military people at the time, actually, sure. um, who got out in the military and gone into that kind of industry. Mm. And I was absolutely fascinated with it. It was, it was uh, kind of rough and tumble, uh, very interesting. My first exposure to Americans. So I can remember sitting down for breakfast and, and watch the gentleman have a T-bone steak, fried eggs, baked beans, ice cream on his plate, <laughs> re removed his chewing tobacco, Stuck that on the plate as well. Ate in breakfast and back went in the... It was all brand new to me. Oh, my God. And, and I suppose an oil rig is also like a, I suppose, like a mini city in a way, it isn't is. it? It is. I mean, you've got everything from... Well, you live there, so you've got everything right. from every kind of hotel, as you would call it. So mm. you obviously, you, you live, eat, breathe there. On, mm. on top of that, it was a very interesting time and dangerous time because... There was a lot of saturation diving going on. I heard on Mark's podcast the other day the gentleman that was in the um, in the uh, in the series on Netflix about when he got stuck on the bottom as a deep diver. We mm -hmm. had eleven people die on the first six months I worked on that rig, wow. and the majority of them were actually divers who actually died in the decompression chamber. There, were, there was a lot of lack of knowledge of what people were doing in those days which really started to interest me because I began to see more and more incidents and accidents and couldn't understand why people were getting themselves into the situations they were getting in. Hmm. Where I lucked out, I was technically incompetent, I would say. Hmm. Uh, I find it very difficult to translate things from my head to the end of my fingers, whereas most people in that, in that industry are technically competent. But I was always good at getting on with people and working with people and building teams. So I actually got promoted very quickly over a series of years. Uh, after a couple of years in the North Sea, I just couldn't stand the weather anymore. So finished <laughs> off going to Japan and uh, working on a brand new drill ship that was being built there. And then worked on that for several years and just went from there. So it was a very interesting time. Um, a lot of technology, early technology, which today would be would be taken for granted, but really fascinating for me. And then having had probably 28, 29 years in the industry, I began to feel that we were still missing something that I could not put my finger on. Mm. And actually in the mid eighties, we had been exposed to uh, what they call DISC, which is one of the systems for understanding a bit about personality. You know, yep. we'd kind of done it, had a little bit of a kind of a laugh. Oh, you're like this, you're like that. Never thought more <laughs> about it. And then, uh, um, as you will learn, if you get into what we're talking about with what we call the e-colors, mm. my e-colors are predominantly yellow-red. So I have a natural tendency that I like to help people. And one day, to my amazement, they actually offered me from running rigs, actually, in Egypt, where I was at the time, they asked me if I would become the health and safety manager for the largest drilling contractor in the world. And said yes, never even realizing it meant moving to Houston, uh, which I did. But very quickly began to go around all the other rigs in the fleet and see what the basic challenges were. And a lot of it was around communication and then people actually reacting from their natural tendencies. Mm. I actually got to a point in my life in 2002 where um, I would call 
we have what we call strengths, which are the things that come naturally to you. And the flip side is what we call potential limiters. And we call them potential limiters because they're only a limiter if you don't do something about them. Got it. And one of my potential limiters at the time, I would call being a slave to my potential limiter, was this desire to help people. And if there's anybody listening on your podcast, Adam, who's in health and safety, they will tell you they spend a lot of time trying to help people who don't want the help. True. I mean, that's one of the fundamental things that challenges with HSE. But I was always interested in why things were happening and the way that were happening. And about that time, I actually uh, collapsed in, uh, in Poe, found myself lying on the floor thinking my life has come to an end, which I'll, I can talk a little bit about later. Mm. But as a result of that, the last two years I worked for the drilling contractor, they actually had me coaching around the world, helping managers who were technically brilliant, but not very good with people. And that worked mm. out really well. One of the places they sent me tonight was to Nigeria, where we had actually had a, a fatality on a rig a year before. And while sitting with the crew at night, trying to understand what had happened, I was asking each one of the individual crew members about their strengths, about what in those days we call their improvement opportunities. And a gentleman called Kevin Barto, who I am eternally thankful, said, why don't you ask us how we can get hurt? And I can tell you, as a drilling contractor, we had spent millions and millions of dollars trying to keep people safe, but we'd never actually asked anybody how they could get hurt, and from a personality perspective in particular. And one gentleman immediately answered, well, my e-colors are yellow-blue, which in our world is somebody who is um, people-oriented, very much in in interdependent, always looking out for other people. Oh, he said, I can get hurt jumping in to help. <laughs> and the, the moment he said it, it was like a, a light bulb went off in my head because two years earlier we had a fatality in the North Sea where somebody had actually a banksman so the person who's supposed to be signaling the crane mm -hmm. and that's all they're supposed to do they even have a big orange jacket on which is banksman on the back the procedure for banksman is thou shall signal the crane and you shall not touch the load well, he saw two people struggling with a load in the middle of the night, long backs, two taglines, rig rocking around. He jumped into hell, got his head caught between a Samson post and the basket and immediately got killed. Wow. And I sat in that fatality review and listened to people trying to understand or rationalize why somebody would do that when the procedure said, thou shalt not touch the load. And that was a big kind of light bell for me. So... When this gentleman two years later said I can get hurt jumping into help, as soon as I got off the rig, I called my mother, who now she's 96 years old, but up until recently, also yellow-blue, would spend three nights a week on a suicide line helping people who were come, you know, decided to come to the end of their life. Right. And I said, Mom, you ever been hurt jumping into help? Oh, yes, this, that, the other. So, you know, <laughs> got two data points now. Now we have over millions of data points and nothing's changed highly predictable so that really made it in my mind I, I spent a couple of years uh coaching from 2002 to 2004 the drilling contractor did not want to take it as far as i thought we could take all of this newfound knowledge so we decided four of us left actually the same company and decided to start equilibria interesting and that's where we started with regards to the whole um you know, it, we talk about the gentleman that unfortunately passed away. Do you also feel like 
it's also people's instinct because you know when we're talking about um you know looking at people's behaviors and habits and why they do what they do is it also around human instinct like if someone is struggling and it's like you said you you know you like to help people but you, you know you, so there is a certain personality trait that belongs to you and and my personality trait might be different from say you which is highly likely and we've all got different person do you think it's also to do with people's instincts as well even though you haven't you've been told not to do something and you go completely the opposite does that make sense oh absolutely makes sense so the way that we describe it if you picture the human being and the analogy being an iceberg right so what you can see above the water that represents the way we look at it that represents your personality Mm -hmm. A much larger piece below the water represents your character. And your character typically will give you the opportunity to respond. Mm. But from, like you're saying, from an instinctive, natural reaction, that comes from your personality. So, for example, myself as a yellow person or somebody top color yellow, I will jump in to help the person. Somebody who's a top color red may see that same situation going on see the struggle they will go in but it's not to help the person is to complete the task which apparently <laughs> isn't going the way it's supposed to go so, <laughs> so you could actually have two people you could watch two people going in to the same situation but they're going in for completely different reasons ah got it now i understand perfect sounds good so um i know that um when we talk about sort of personality trait testing, you know, sort of thing, and you mentioned DISC and you mentioned Myers-Briggs and, and, and stuff like that. All of this, I, I guess, is all designed around improving self-awareness, right? You know, self-awareness about ourselves as individuals, maybe it's about our business and how we run it, things like that. Um, how does it also, from your perspective, how can self-awareness... Um, be used to improve things like relationships in the workplace. I mean, you've highlighted health and safety and stuff like that. What, how, how is that sort of, can you give us a little bit of a snapshot about how it improves certain communication channels and creating a great culture and, and things like that? Okay, so it's probably worth understanding. Let me back up if you don't mind, Adam, because no problem. I think it starts at a very early age. So we had the privilege, after we started Equilibria, we got the opportunity to actually start, uh, to start going into schools mm. through one of our anchor clients. And so I found myself, for the first time in many, many years, if I went to Houston for a week, I would spend at least one day in several elementary schools where we were working. If somebody <laughs> told me that when I left school, that in 40 years' time, you'll be excited about going back to school, I don't <laughs> think I'd have believed it. <laughs> but we actually introduced the e-colors at seven years old with kids. I, and I, I give you to understand it. And then we introduced what we call personal intervention, which is like this wristband I have on, which has a pause and play button on. That is my kind of tool for recognizing when I'm getting ahead of myself or where I'm going too fast paced, etc. Mm -hmm. Different for different people. When I started to watch kids in the classroom, uh, and, I, and I give you a good example. There is one school that, that we get a, do a lot of work with in Houston that's right in the middle of Chinatown. That school has 62 languages spoken in the school. Wow. The common denominator is the e-colors. So 
when you watch when you watch young kids in there, for example, those who are predominantly blue green, and anybody maybe for two seconds, let me give you a quick analogy of how the e colors work. Sure. So e colors personality styles have been around for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The Chinese recognize the earth, wind, fire, and water. You don't have to go any further than that. So in our world, red is the doer. That's the fire. That's the action-oriented, typically fast-paced. The green part of us is the thinker, the analytical, the data-oriented person. The yellow is the engager or the socializer, and the blue is the relator or the supporter. We have all of those four personalities within us. However, two, most of the time, tend to be more predominant. Got it. Yellow, red, red, yellows in, in the school setting, for example, or in any setting, tend to be quite outspoken. They're ready to move on. Um, they're always kind of a little bit ahead of everybody else in, in, in just very fast-paced, big picture-oriented. People who are more green, blue, blue, green tend to be more steady-paced and tend to be more information-oriented. Mm. And they really don't like to speak up unless they're absolutely sure they're right. So sit there. I often would sit in classrooms with kids who are predominantly blue-green. Never, ever raise the hand in class. And if you've got any listeners who go onto our website and found out the recolors, they can be now 50 years old and they've still never raised their hand in class. <laughs> I've, I've met blue-greens who went through university and the only time they spoke in public is when they had to do their dissertation. They just don't, they're not comfortable speaking out, particularly blue-greens in large crowds. Well, for a kid in class, raising the hand means they're now drawing attention to themselves. Yeah, They don't like confrontation. They don't like to be kind of, you know, what in Australia they call the tall puppies, right? They, they want to be kind of with the crowd. So rather than ask a question, they will wait till the class is over and either go and ask the teacher after class or ask a friend. Mm-hmm. Fast forward that. So now it be it family, be it business, be it a sports team, whatever group you're working in, you've got these different dynamics going on. So you've got people who are fast paced, who want minimal information and are ready to move on. Yeah. So what happens is those people, if, and, and typically what you'll hear from a red mouth is I want or I need. What you'll hear from a yellow is I believe. What you hear from a blue is I feel. What you hear from a green is I think. So you start to realize that in a dynamic of if we don't understand each other, we get to a point, and some e-colors are more judgmental than others. Why is this person going about life this way when I think they should be doing it that way? And mm. the reality is it's because they're not on the same wavelength in the way that they communicate and how they listen, for example. Sure. So, you know, most top color reds describe themselves as speed listeners. Why? Because they get the information they need <laughs> very, very quickly, and they're ready to move on. That'll be me then. <laughs> okay. so is that too much information for you already or way too much can we hurry up please yeah. <laughs> so take take a family dynamic let's start there for a minute so i'll give you a good example i i live in spain been married to my wife for 44 years wow she is predominantly blue green i have mm. never ever had an argument with her you'll find most blue greens can argue on their own they don't need anybody else <laughs> My daughter is predominantly red-yellow, and she's the COO of Equilibria now. 
when she was 15 or 16 years old, she would turn around to her mum and say, you know, can I stay out till 11 o'clock at night tonight? My wife, Blue Green, who does not like confrontation, answer in Spanish would be, ya veremos, which means we'll see. That does not satisfy a red-yellow, right? My son, who is blue-yellow, who also is fantastic with equilibria, he's going around trying to calm everybody down because <laughs> my wife's going, we'll see. My daughter's going, that's not an answer. Just tell me yes or no, and then I know what to do. So that, that dynamic happens in all walks of life, Adam. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So with this whole um, uh, e-colors thing, I mean, and it, and so I found something out which is kind of interesting. But when we talk about, um, I want to talk about something completely. Well, not I wouldn't say completely separate, but when there is a misinterpretation or a communication breakdown or uh, or whatever it might be, whether it be in the workplace setting or whether it be with a relationship with your spouse or whatever it is. And you've probably heard this before, oh, we can't communicate to each other, right? And you've, you've, and that's a regular thing or whatever it is because there is a misconnection or a disconnection or whatever it might be, right? Do you think, or um, from, from your uh, years of research, do you also think that people that are maybe or autistic, as an example, or have like a learning difficulty, how does that, then apply to um, the e-colors situation. Does that mean that that there's going to be uh, there's going to be kind of you have to work with that side of stuff, but then you have to work with the e-color side of stuff? How does that apply to to people with that? Well, it's very, it's, it's an interesting question actually. I didn't know you were going to ask that. My granddaughter happens <laughs> to be autistic. Oh, well, there you go. And so it. And by the way, for anybody who's listening and happens to have. Until she was two years old, two and a half, you would never, ever know there was anything up at all. I mean, you could put a, I can remember when she was a year and a half, you could put a family picture up and she could rattle off everybody's name on that family. <laughs> whatever the vaccinations are that you have when you're two years old. Yes. She came out of that, couldn't walk for three days. Oy. And I, I then actually flew down to Australia because my family live in Australia. My sister who is a specialist uh, working with this type of thing. I just happened to comment to her, you know, my granddaughter's called Valentina. I said, I've been watching Valentina and she walks on her tiptoes all the time. And my sister said, that's the first sign of autism. You need to get uh, Laura, my daughter, you know, to see what's going on. And within weeks, sure enough, it was proven she was autistic. Until that moment, I had very much assumed that Valentina, what in the e-colors world, we would call somebody who's predominantly green-red, highly independent, doesn't like to be hugged. <laughs> in fact, now she's six, and, and I still never had a hug from her. If I, have, if, I get, if I want a kiss from her, she comes, she bows her head, and I kiss the top of her head. I cannot, <laughs> so, so, but I used, and, and so, but again, from an e-colors personality perspective, a lot of people who are predominantly what we call red, green, green, red, who tend to be highly independent, the people that like their space, I thought that was very much what was going on with her. Got it. When you can understand, I have got uh, several people I know who've got children who are autistic, or uh, it depends obviously where they are on the scale. I mean, there's sure. a huge range, as you well know. Of course there is, yeah. But one of the things to understand is the coping mechanism, if you like. 
-hmm. And funnily enough, the wristband, the, the pause and play button, once you can get them to understand that, very much helps them focus. Because one thing that I've learned about autistic children who are able to speak and rationalize, everything is black and white. There's no uh -huh. middle ground. You know, somebody standing under a no smoking sign and they're smoking drives them crazy because it's just not right. It's not what the procedure says. There's probably a lot more people on the spectrum, I believe, than people actually believe. When you start to watch people and you go, that's interesting, you know. Now, if you look at it from another perspective, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like in the UK, for example, but we do a lot of work in the States. Any kid that is somewhat hyperactive in the States, first thing that you hear out of people's mouth is give them riddling or something to calm them down, right? Exactly, yeah. I would bet that nearly every person who gets into that bracket is either predominantly red-yellow or yellow-red. Mm -hmm. OCD, not a red-yellow, yellow-red thing. That's very much more of a green, you know, that desire for detail, for perfection, for everything being the right place. So I would imagine you could actually probably line up some of the more common um, ways of looking at the world, for want of a better way of putting it. You can mm -hmm. very much line up against the e-colors. Interesting. Really interesting. So while we're on the subject of e-colors, mm -hmm. um, and I know you've mentioned DISC already, but how does, I guess my listeners, you know, they're, they're, they're very familiar with personality trait testing and we've mentioned disc we've mentioned myers-briggs and there, there are many different ones which are out there how does e-colors differate from what's currently out there what are the big differentiating factors between the others well one, one of the first things is when we, we decided to build our own uh, mechanism for actually discovering people's e-colors mm -hmm. and so we were very lucky to be able to get an incredible amount of data many many years ago of different perspectives and how people view the world. And that's how we actually built what we call the personality diversity indicator. The reality is the real difference from us and what sets us apart is how you use the information. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that we agreed to the company when we first started, we didn't want e-colors to be used for hiring, for job position, promotions, etc. We believe that everybody arrives in the world with their, you know, who they are and their skill set, and they will grow and should be given an even opportunity. In fact, the vision of our company is realizing potential. And we believe everybody has potential to realize. The next thing that differentiates us is it's really about the tools and applications. So one thing is to be self-aware. The other is what do you do with it? And actually, uh, over the last few, you know, over the last 16 years, we've literally work with various companies, teams, organizations all over the world. What I always find fascinating, I, I mentioned to you before the podcast, mm. my daughter and I just ran a workshop this morning. We had people in Sri Lanka, people in Vietnam, Cambodia, Singapore, Australia. Didn't matter where they came from, if their e-colors were predominantly green-blue, which a lot of these people happen to be, when we put them together in breakout rooms during the session, their answers to certain questions were just mirrored. Regardless of their language, regardless of their age, their culture, their religion, their geography, if predominantly green, blue, anywhere in the world tends to be the same. So we're able to give them tools relative to how they are going through their daily life. And that, that's really one of the biggest differences for us. 
the other thing I, I will tell you, Adam, when we start when COVID started, you know, lots of companies pre-COVID were just moving towards what they call digital transformation in one way or another. Right. We actually developed a what we call a premium report, which is a 34-page report of everything we've ever learned about the e-colors of the 12 e-color combinations. And that has been a huge eye-opener to people um, as we go forward. And that's where we do a lot of our work now. So mm. people go online, they purchase the premium report, they do the premium report. There's a self-reflection worksheet on the back end of that. Mm -hmm. And then we as coaches have a, at least a couple of hours with them to go through it. And the beauty of that is, as you mentioned at the beginning, the first part is around self-awareness, but then it's what we call team awareness and then other awareness, if you like. Cool. So you were talking about business before, client awareness. You know, what, do you, what are the personality styles of your clients and how do you... How do you speak into that? Because again, depending on their personality and even the personality of the company mm. can have a big impact. Very true. You mentioned earlier on, well, very briefly, actually, with regards to e-colors itself, in what settings can it be applied? Because you mentioned that it's not really used for recruiting. So what What in, because most of our listeners are predominantly entrepreneurs and businesses, what can it be used for? What, 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 what sort of uh, um, situations and circumstances could it be then applied for? Okay, so anytime there is more than one person involved, it can be applied. And, and, and so I, let me put it in a framework for you. So a few years ago, we developed something which to me, I think is an absolute game changer. We have what's called uh, the essential leadership cycle or the eight essentials of high performance teams. So you look at any business, regardless of the side, or a, or a football team or a soccer team or whatever the team is, as long as there's people together. So the first essential is what we call self and team awareness. And that's where the e-colors initially fit in. So first thing that you do with any type of organization is self and team awareness. Sure. Then we get to what we call shared vision and values. And again, always interesting because... We meet many, many CEOs, COOs, et cetera, and go, does your company have a shared vision? Yes, I've told everybody what the vision is. That's not <laughs> quite what we mean <laughs> by shared vision. <laughs> then we talk about clarity of roles and processes, which again, with since you know the last year, there's so many people either moved on or moving into different roles in, in their work, et cetera. Very important for people to be crystal clear on what their role is and the processes that surround that. Mm -hmm. Then we go to trust. And let me just say this. So self and team awareness, shared vision and values, and clarity of roles and processes, they're what we call the driving elements of this cycle. Then you have trust, diversity and inclusion, commitment, accountability, and learning and continuous improvement. And they are what we call the resultant conditions. Now, lots of times, let's say you're entrepreneurs, where and a lot of times when people start up a company originally, as you well know, Adam, the people originally involved have got this fantastic idea. They're married to the idea. It's why they wanted to start. But then you, as, as time goes on, they have to start bringing other people in who may not originally share that initial passion, but they're being brought in for their speciality. Right. They need to be integrated into what the original process was all about. You know, why did we ever start this company? You know, why did Musk ever start 
Tesla, you know, it's, it's, so whatever, whatever level you think this through, it's really important to understand. So you've got people on the team who may be predominantly very fast paced and action oriented. You've got others who want to write the processes, the procedure, they're very, very thoughtful. You've got others who are your, maybe your marketing people who tend to be very comfortable yeah. you know, speaking in public, et cetera. I mean, a great example is to watch things like the Shark Tank, right? You've got some of these folks come in who are brilliant engineers and have no way, no idea how to sell it to the shark, right? <laughs> and, and so if you think about that at any level, understanding the personality style of both the team and the recipients is really important. Some good points there. Love it. Very good. Excellent. Um, I want to, one thing that sort of came to my mind was, is there any downfalls to not just e-colors, but kind of personality and sort of behavioral uh, inclusion tools and software like we like we're talking about are there any downfalls to anything or are they any, any sort of negatives as such well I, there's two ways to look at it there are if you I, one of the things that i'll just draw to your attention is we, we one of the the slides that we use when we're making presentations is we show a road kind of going up a mountain got it and at the top of the mountain is celebration of diversity of thought. That's as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. But at the bottom of the mountain is what we call doubt and resistance. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm very comfortable telling people, you know, if we've got a workshop with 40 people in it, I expect 15 to 20% of them very much to be in that, you know, arms folded, this isn't for me, I don't want to be here. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, since we started giving people the premium report, that's hard to resist. Somewhere in each report, they will find themselves. But anyway, so we go from down resistance to self and team awareness. So all of a sudden, oh, actually, I am a little bit like that. And I see that Adam is not the same as me, for example. Oh, that's, that's why my wife and I or my partner and I or my child and I, whatever, uh, maybe don't hit it off the way we could. We then move into tolerance, where people start to understand that not everybody's the same. But they will they tolerate the difference, which is on the way, but not where you want to get to. And then we get to appreciation, where people really appreciate and value the different styles, etc. In an ideal world, people would always follow that path. What are the negatives and the dangers? It's when this kind of technology is used for the wrong reason. So, like I say, two things can happen. One is somebody will discover their e-colors and immediately go around telling everybody else what their e-colors are <laughs> and what, it happens right so and, and that's why we've got this set of ethics which we developed right at the beginning when we started equilibria is to make sure they were never used for that which they're not designed sure and another is oh i'll pick somebody on my team who is you know a bit like picking a soccer team like this person's good in the goal so he's, he's the goalie technique. We want to make sure that people are aware of what each team member's in, individual capabilities are, what their e-colors are, and how they best like to be communicated with. And once you've got that going, 99% of the negatives go away. Interesting. Very cool. Very good. Now, I was going to say to you, you, you mentioned about um, high-performance 
And, you know, cause I'm a big fan of high performance, you know, because we know each other quite well and coming from the athletics realm, how, um, if you've got like a, 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 an organization or a business that you're working with, what do you do in terms of like from a, you know, if, if they came to you and was like, hey, Lewis, we want to increase our productivity and our engagement because that's generally normally what most businesses want, right? They want to they want to be able to kind of organically increase profitability through engagement and stuff like that. What are some of the things that you do within that? You know, any tips or strategies for some of our listeners about how they could do that? You know, well, the first thing is I, I tell you what we do, and and I'm with right now in the middle of doing this with several organizations and several organizations within organizations. And we start with a online self-assessment of the eight essentials. Right. So if you've got a leadership team that um, is comfortable doing it, which, you know, they typically are, then they get asked a series of questions online. It can either be anonymous or not, depends on the organization. Got it. And they're asked about six questions per essential. As okay. a result of that, we then can get them back together give them some feedback about, about the nice spider chart and all of the information graphs, whatever you want. But it very, very sh quickly shows the gaps. It shows where they're strong and, and where there's some opportunities. Lots of times you'll go into an organization. If we put the eight essentials in front of them and I say, where's your biggest challenge? They'll go trust and accountability. Interesting because none of them are your driving elements. They're all results and conditions. So actually, the reason you're having struggles there is because you haven't gone back to the beginning type thing. So that really helps. Um, and I, I, again, with the, the session we ran this morning, it was remarkable in an hour and a half to watch people who are struggling for a couple of reasons. One, they're all in different countries. Nobody can go and see each other right now. So this right. is a team together that came together six months ago. They've never met in person. But they've never invested the time to get to know each other either. So guess what? From the leader's perspective, oh, we're bringing a team together. Let's go. No, let's take a step back. Let's really get to understand each team member, understand their needs and desires, and then go from there. Yeah. And Adam, I think that's the same with any team. I, Mark and I have had these ongoing conversations about <laughs> you know, his various soccer teams about this. But I can, you know, let's take a good example right now. You've got teams all over the world that are bringing new managers in. It's no different. You've got a group of human beings who've all got their own personality, wants and needs. And if there isn't a good understanding of what they need and what the leaders want from both sides, it's never going to work very well. No. Well, that's where conflict comes in, doesn't it? And uh, then breakdown and yeah, it all goes Pete Tong, as I like to call it. But you're absolutely spot on. I think you're absolutely on the money there, definitely. Um, we're coming towards the end. And I, I guess my, my last question is, is for people that are listening in, um, any sort of tips and or advice for people that uh, are running a business right now, and most of our listeners are kind of sort of the sort of small business owner, um, six to seven bigger business owners generally, any tips or advice for people that, um, that number one, want to sort of be able to use personality trait testing like e-colors and stuff like that and but also how to then interpretate those results in order to benefit for their business does that make sense yes so i i will tell you something that i've found 
<clears throat> excuse me, very, very useful right now. And something that, again, pre-COVID, we weren't doing this, but I can now see the advantage. Sure. So let's say you've got an individual. Let's just say they've got six team members. Got it. So in the past, we would have asked everybody to go onto our website, find out their e-colors, and we'll run a session and at least bring everybody together. And that certainly works to a degree. Sure. However, what I'm finding really useful right now is people go onto the website, they purchase the premium report, and then let's say the leader's got six people working with them. They have one meeting at the beginning to explain what they're about to do. We then would facilitate a discussion between each lead, the leader and each one of their team members individually, going through the individual's self-reflection worksheet. So by the end of, it may take, you know, literally 24 hours in hourly sections. You have six people, could be two by 12. But at the end of that, the leader has a crystal clear picture of how that person like to be communicated with, how they like to be recognized, what the strengths are, et cetera. When all that is done, you bring the team back together and they share what they have decided to do as a result of what they've learned. And then the team is up and running. Very good. Love it. Fantastic. On ball. Um, first of all, just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today. It's been fun. We've had a lot of great information and a lot of golden nuggets because I've been writing my notes down. So guys, listen, hope that you've also been enjoying what me and Lewis are talking about as well. Uh, make sure that you go back, listen to this because there are some really great golden nuggets in there. And uh, Lewis, just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you again. Awesome. Guys, listen, um, do me a favor. If you want to learn more about e-colors, uh, you can click on the links below, but also you can also co uh, connect with Lewis on his social media links. And you can also do that. The information is below. Just mention the podcast um, when you're connecting with him and then on it kind of put two and two together. So uh, listen, hope you've enjoyed today's show. Please make sure that you, uh, uh, if you, oh, by the way, I was going to say to you, if you have enjoyed today's show, along with some of the other shows as well, then do me a favor. Um, if you listen to this on Apple, please leave a five-star review or whatever review. You can leave a one-star review if you really, really want to. It's entirely up to you. But please leave a review on the, uh, on the review section below. So uh, otherwise, we'll see you soon. Take care and have a good one. Thank you. Hey, you guys. I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.